preacher that you know of, of years ago, you would probably, many of you would probably say Spurgeon. Spurgeon, though, dealt with depression, and he got discouraged many times. It's recorded for us now, uh, one by Michael Reeves uh, from a few years ago on a website, crossway.org. It says this, at age 22, as a pastor of a large church and with twin babies at home to look after, he was preaching to thousands in Surrey Gardens Music Hall when pranksters yelled fire, starting a panic to exit the building, which killed seven and left 28 severely injured. His wife says that his mind was never the same again, from age 22. In his early 30s, he dealt with uh, severe uh, kidney pain and other uh, maladies. He passed away at age 57. If Spurgeon, the greatest preacher that we know of, dealt with discouragement when it comes to ministering the Word of God, we're in good company if you ever feel discouraged. The picture that I took a couple weeks ago at the Grand Canyon. It is grand, and it's a canyon. It's large, it's glorious, and this picture doesn't do it justice. When you're standing where I was standing, it's just hard to fathom that that uh, is real. It doesn't look real. And I went through a lot of my pictures to find the one that I felt uh, captured it, but this really doesn't do justice to to the glory. And as was said in our Sunday school time, if, if God's creation is this glorious, God himself, and this is a fallen creation, racked by sin and the effects of sin, how much more glorious is our God, who is perfect? And of all the people on the planet who can see the glory of God, only believers can. Only those who have submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we'll see that again today. And as Paul is traveling around and has been to Corinth and is talking to the Corinthian believers and telling them about ministering and how he ministered to them and what keeps him going as he has faced some severe trials on his first missionary journey. I think it's his second missionary journey where he goes to Corinth. And he goes there and could have been discouraged with the gross immorality that's all around him at Corinth and the idolatry that was prevalent in most of the major cities that Paul went to and started churches in and writes books of the New Testament to. And here in Corinthians, we have this idea of him ministering and he's telling us and giving us insight into how to be encouraged with ministry. We just read 4, to 4 1 to 6, but I'm going to tell you where I got the title from. If you look at 4 1, we do not lose heart. Look down at verse 16 of the same chapter, 4 16. So we do not lose heart. That's a way of saying we're not discouraged. All right? 
all of us can get discouraged, and when we are discouraged at times with a number of different circumstances, it is helpful for us to see and submit to and to speak of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we need 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 6? Because we all get discouraged at times. Anyone who says they don't get discouraged is lying to you. We all get discouraged. The best of Christians get discouraged. And we get discouraged at times with circumstances around us, with our flesh in us, and with Satan's temptation, and Satan taking the seed that we sow and taking away from people's hearts, as this parable of the sower tells us would happen. And as Paul, and hopefully us following in, in Paul's footsteps later, are about the work of the ministry. Why are we ministering? Well, we, because we all can see the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. It's very bright. If you were to ask Moses to summarize the glory of God in one word, he would say, bright. It was extremely intense light, and we could watch Moses' face as he came down off the mountain to say, you saw something very bright. And the light of the glory of God shows up here again in our text of Scripture. And we, as we get discouraged, if we were to help people with one word, what it's like to be discouraged, we would say, dark. It feels, when we're discouraged, we feel very dark inside. We feel like, and we tell our friends, we're in a dark place. And it's not wrong to be discouraged because this is life on a fallen planet. Lament, as we're learning Wednesday, is one uh, way to talk to God as we are in a dark place, dark places at times. But when it comes to ministry, Paul could lose heart as some of the Corinthians and 1 Corinthians gave him a lot of reasons for getting discouraged with these people (laughs) because they're very selfish. They're very self-centered. They're very divisive. He's spent a year and a half there. And as we, the longer you minister, the longer you're a parent, grandparent, teacher, disciple maker, you'll have people that you're trying to help to grow, to follow and see the glory of Christ and submit to Christ and to show Christ. And they're not seeing him. And they're not submitting to him. And they're not showing him. So what do we do? We can get discouraged and say, oh, that's it. Let someone else do this ministry stuff. Or we can look at this passage and say, Paul's telling us how to be encouraged. So we should leave today, and hopefully the tone of the message today is one that's very encouraging to you. It's a put your arm around you and help you to feel encouraged if you're doing this. And there's a lot of reasons in this passage to be Encourage, and there's six, I'll pretty much um, one reason per verse. I'll put three and four together and separate another verse, but there are six reasons here to be encouraged. Notice I changed the wording. If you remember, see, submit, show. All right, now we're changing show to show in a very specific way, speak. Where did I get that from? Let's look at verse one. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, We do not lose heart, but we have renounced 
disgraceful, underhanded ways where he refused to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. All right, so he is talking about proclaiming. He's talking about with open statements, speaking what? Speaking the truth. All right, so we're seeing God's glory, we're submitting to God's glory, and now we're expected to speak of God's glory. This is hopefully encouraging because it's that simple. We can complicate it, uh, but it, it really doesn't have to be that complicated. And this passage hopefully is simple enough for all of us to understand it, and a simple six things here for reasons why we should be encouraged to stay on faithful with ministry. Reason number one, look at verse one. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God. Of God is added. So by, by mercy or having received mercy, we don't lose heart. We all know that where we have received mercy from. Paul knows that. We ha he has said that already in the first and second uh, um, books of Second Corinthians up to this point. It is clear where he, his sufficiency comes from. It comes from Christ. His forgiveness comes from God. His message comes from God. His power comes from God. He's very bold uh, to see the glory of God. So he has received mercy. Where has he received mercy from? God. That word mercy matches what the character quality of God. God is merciful and gracious. We'll summarize it another way to say it's compassion. God has given and showed you and I compassion. When, you, what, when do we need compassion? When we're really needy. All of us have received mercy. So we don't lose heart. We can't get discouraged when we realize we have received compassion from our God. So, to be encouraged... We have all received compassion and mercy. Just like we can all see his glory and all should be seeing the glory of the Lord in chapter 3, verse 18. We have all, we have this ministry by God's mercy, by the mercy that we have received. So we don't lose heart. We don't get discouraged. It's okay to be discouraged, but it's not okay to stay discouraged. As we'll learn in Wednesday it's okay to complain. Just don't stay complaining. Complain on your way to trust. That's lament. And it stayed, if you're discouraged, don't stay discouraged. But discouragement happens on a path toward trust, toward more, um, more ministry. And the times that I have been discouraged in ministry, you know what God does for me? He gives me more ministry. He has someone call me when I'm discouraged and they need help. And I'm like, oh. I don't, want, I don't want to answer. I don't want to help you. I'm discouraged. God says it's not okay to stay discouraged. It's okay to be discouraged, just not staying discouraged. You can't stay discouraged. Elijah couldn't stay discouraged on, uh, when he was running away from uh, Ahab and Jezebel. He felt very discouraged at uh, Mount Sinai for 40 days, but he didn't stay there. God gave him marching orders and said, okay, Elijah, I'm not done with you. Get back to work. Here's, who, here's exactly what you got to do. So we have exactly what we're supposed to do here, uh, understanding it's not okay to stay discouraged long term because we have all received compassion. 
if we're discouraged, we need something, and God knows what we need. We need his compassion. We need his mercy. And he gives you mercy. He gives me mercy when I'm discouraged so that I don't have to stay that way the rest of my life or stay in despair. We've all received compassion and mercy. Verse 2. Having received the mercy of God and not choosing not to lose heart is also another choice here. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. It is not hard to find people that are not doing this today. They are tampering with God's word. They're taking the blood of Jesus out of stuff and just saying it's all the love of God. The song that we sang, uh, The Power of the Cross, there are many that are trying to uh, take that song. No, it's in Christ alone. Where it says the wrath of God is satisfied. They're trying to change that so that they can bring it into their churches that don't preach God's wrath at all and say, let's just change that to the love of God is magnified. And the songwriters who wrote that said, no, you can't change it because the wrath of God is satisfied at the cross. Okay, so we're not going to change the word of God. And you can find people that change it. And if we want to get a, a church of 40,000 people, you're probably going to have to change the word of God. And people do change it to get a crowd. But Paul says, as he's traveling around and here to the Corinthians, his mindset in ministry, having seen the glory of God, having uh, enjoyed the mercy of God, he says, I have renounced this. I will not change God's word. I won't change the methods. The disgraceful is the idea of shame, shameful, underhanded ways. What is this like? If you ever are at an amusement park or some thing where there is a magician or some high-octane entertainer up front, and he said, I need a... a I need a volunteer from the audience. I never, I never want to do that. You know why? Because why does he need someone from the audience to make that person look like a fool? Right. So I never want to go, because I have seen enough of these to say, whoever gets up there never looks good. They always look bad. And he looks good. Okay? Well, that is what Paul is saying here. We're not going to do. Have you ever felt like you've been manipulated? You went to a, a car lot, and you're like, I don't know if I really want this car. Oh. And you have a lot of buyer's remorse after you buy a car you didn't really want. You got talked into it. Or any number of other things that you've been talked into by a really, really slick salesman. That's exactly the opposite of what Paul's saying here. He's not going to be a slick salesman. He's not going to give people what they don't want or manipulate people's emotions or if anyone evaluates his ministry, he's, they're not going to say, Paul, there you go again, manipulating people and trying just to get, get them to make decisions in your ministry. Paul says, oh, no. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. We're not changing God's word. We're not going to make it easier for people to, to, under, uh, to understand or to embrace we're not changing the, the doctrine of, of God's word or of salvation, probably in particular here, as he is ministering uh, to people. And he's not uh, practicing cunning. Earlier in 1 Corinthians, I think, believe it's chapter 1 and 2, he talks about not having the wisdom of this world. Now looking at how the world gets people to follow them, 
Because that's what we're going to use in, in ministry in the church. Paul says, no, we've, we've renounced that kind of ministry. But here's what we do do, verse 2, with open by the open statement of the truth. We're giving people the truth. It's open so everyone can see it. It's not underhanded like there's always some, something uh, that is an inside joke. Or I, I don't understand it because I, I wasn't there for that or whatever. And people are feeling like they're being manipulated. No. Paul says, I'm just going to give you the truth. And I would commend myself. As I'm giving you the truth, I'm allowing myself and my ministry open to an evaluation from everyone's conscience. Not just everyone, but everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So I'll let all of you evaluate my ministry, see if I really am preaching the truth and I'm not doing what I said I'm not going to do. And I'm going to say, in the sight of God, I realize God knows all things and he's evaluating what I say and he is pleased that I am just giving the truth of God. And here's how we can be encouraged in ministry. It's not our truth. It's just us taking the truth and giving it to people. Jesus is the I am. Jehovah. There are a lot of religions that re reject that statement. Okay, but here's what Jesus said. I am the bread. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am. And people knew what he was saying, and they picked up stones to stone him. We just have to give people open statements of the truth. And we can be encouraged by this. See, when we get discouraged, sometimes it might be because we haven't renounced disgraceful or underhanded ways. We do want to change God's word. And then when we change God's word and people still don't, re we feel bad because we feel guilty that we have actually done opposite of what Paul says he wouldn't do. And we feel bad about ourselves and, oh, yeah, okay, shouldn't have done that. And we get discouraged. But we can be encouraged because all we need to do is open with the truth. Be open with the truth. See, all people have a conscience to evaluate good and evil. Most people think they're good. And the more we tell them that they're not good, they think that we're evil. But they're actually evil. All, there are no righteous. No, not one. There's no one who seeks after God. All we have to do is bring up the Ten Commandments and start evaluating their life with the Ten Commandments. And it happens with us. It happens with everyone that we talk to, 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 to in ministry. Is everyone falls short of the glory of God. So we should be encouraged because all we need to do is be open with the truth. It's that simple. You and I see the glory. We submit to the glory. And now we share that glory. We just speak about it. It does not matter how people respond. It's not our job to help them respond in a certain way and to water it down or to change it so that we get more converts. It is our job to speak the open truth, no matter how hard it is for people to accept the truth. If they rejected Jesus, they will reject him, reject his servants too. And that's who we are. We're actually his slaves, not just his servants. We'll get to that. All right, so the glory of God is seen here by giving us compassion. The glory of God in the truth of God's word doesn't need our help to make it more easily accessible to people. We just need to speak it. We can be encouraged. 
And then verses 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So those who are perishing, those who have rejected Jesus as Lord, they cannot see his glory. And we're telling him the glorious gospel of Jesus, and they can't see it. And verse 4 tells us who is behind them not seeing it. In their case, everyone who is perishing, everyone who we give the gospel to and they can't see it, Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. This sounds a lot like the previous passage that talks about hearts and minds and veiling. You can go back and compare those two, but these go together. And specifically, the ministry here is the ministry of the gospel. It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Satan is desperate for people not to see Jesus and his glory. He will do anything to get people from seeing the glory of Jesus Christ. On the cross, virgin birth, on the cross, all the miracles, empty tomb, seated at, the, at God's right hand, interceding for us, coming again with power and great glory. Satan will do anything to get people to think, eh, just a man, just a good teacher, really nice guy, though. No, God in the flesh, coming again in the power and great glory. Better submit to him. We all have a common enemy to our ministry. No Christian in ministering the gospel is unique in and that he only is attacked by Satan. And when Satan attacks us and, and realizes, we realize to be encouraged that as I give the gospel, I'm expecting Satan uh, to keep people. He is limited. He has to do what God wants him to do. But he is behind all the blindness. When people hold signs that we're going to kill Jesus again, if he comes back, they're blinded. When people think abortion is a good thing, they're blinded. We have a common enemy. Who keeps people blinded? When Putin thinks attacking Ukraine is a good thing, he's blinded. Okay, so all of what we see is bad in our world. Satan is behind a lot of it. And in, their, in this case of us sharing the gospel, our gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. He's blinding the minds of unbelievers so they can't understand. And it seems so clear to us. Like, this is so simple. Why can't you get it? Because they can't see. They're blind. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ. Now, there is a times when people don't want to see. And they say, they cut us off and say, I am done talking to you. Do not talk to me anymore about this. And that would be someone who is willingly blind to the glory, the light of the glory of Jesus Christ. And there are other times that their mind is blind, they just can't see. They could, they could hear amazing grace all day, and they could read the gospel accounts of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and they don't see. They don't submit, and obviously they won't speak. But this is our ministry, and we are encouraged because we have all received compassion. We have all we need to be open with the truth, and we have a common enemy, and that common enemy is Satan. 
We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. So Satan is trying to get people, keep people from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What is he saying? Why does he say that? Why does he say, who is the image of God? He's, what he's saying is, when you see Jesus, you're seeing the image of God. You're seeing God. We have all of us as sinners. We don't show people what we're supposed to, but we don't show people what God is like. God made us in his image, but sin distorts that. But when Jesus came, saw a perfect representation of God, his whole life. And Jesus said that in John 14. If you see me, you see the Father. Everything that my Father wants me to say, I said everything Jesus said is exactly what God the Father would have said. When you see Jesus, you see the glory of the Father. And it's the light of the gospel. When Jesus comes and gives the good news, that's what gospel means. It is gloriously bright and helps people out of darkness. So this is encouragement. This should be encouraging us to keep going, to keep sharing. Satan is going to keep attacking, um, and we just keep sharing. Verses 5 and 6 are even richer. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. See, if Paul didn't renounce underhanded, deceitful, cunning ways, it may have been his, his own cre uh, clever craftiness that people could say, or some wisdom that he got from uh, the Greeks that he was at in, in Corinth. But he says, no, I don't even, how I preach isn't, isn't my own doing, and what I preach isn't my own doing. This is all God, all of his glory. So he doesn't have to get discouraged, because it's all about God. And we don't have to come up with clever ways, or what, how are we going to share the gospel. We're just going to share it. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. What we proclaim is Jesus Christ as Lord. <clears throat> Jesus Christ as Lord. No one gets saved from their sin. No one is born again without saying Jesus Christ is my Lord. If you think that you have bypass that you're not the exception to this rule jesus christ is lord if he is not your lord you are not saved from your sin you are still dead in trespasses and sins you are not made alive by your own good works or by accepting jesus into your heart whatever that means that's not biblical here's biblical language for the gospel the gospel says, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And since Jesus Christ is our Lord, then we ourselves here as your, you can cross off the word servants, it should be the word slave. Slaves for Jesus' sake. What is Paul saying here? When Jesus Christ is our Lord, and we have this ministry now to speak of him, ourselves as your, that's other believers, slaves, for Jesus' sake? This isn't the only place this is mentioned. Galatians 5.13 says this too. 
Stand fast in the liberty with, with, with uh, Christ has made you free. Don't be entangled again. And here is Christian liberty. I'm just going to read it so I don't misquote it. Galatians 5, 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, slave away for one another. You are free in Christ. Christ has set us free. Stand firm in that freedom. What is Christian freedom? Freedom to be a slave to God and others. That's what Christian freedom is. Oh, that's so encouraging. <laughs> it should be. It should be encouraging because you know exactly what your job description is. I'm just a slave. How freeing is that when I have to come up with clever ways of tricking people into praying a certain prayer? That's ministry. No, it's not. My ministry is to proclaim who Jesus Christ is Lord. And if I don't do that, I don't, I don't realize that I'm just a slave. I'm a slave to other believers for Jesus' sake. Of course, I'm a slave to righteousness. Romans tells us that. But in the chronology of the New Testament, Galatians written before here, so we, the Corinthians may have already known that they were slaves. Christian liberty is the freedom to be a slave and how we show our slavery by showing love to one another. Jesus Christ is Lord. We proclaim him. We don't proclaim ourselves. If, if I start sounding like a manipulator of God's word, changing the truth, or it sounds like my sermons are all about me, please confront me. This is not how it should be. Anyone who's teaching, anyone in, in a class in our church, please confront them. And we go back to these, this passage because this is not ministry. Here is ministry. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. We proclaim. You know what Lord means? A master who owns slaves. This verse is about slavery and lordship. And Jesus Christ is king, the anointed one. Christ is anointed. Jesus means savior. He is the master. And we are your slaves for Jesus' sake. We're serving Jesus. And by serving him, we're telling you the truth that he wants us to tell. That's what verse 5 says. <clears throat> so, verse 5 and verse 6 both start with the word for. For what? For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. We're going back to creation here. First thing that God creates, let there be light. Paul's referring to Genesis 1 here. And he says, the God who says, let there be light, is the same God who, what's he doing here in verse 6, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, you got to memorize that verse, okay? That verse is glorious. And you want this verse to be rattled around in your mind day and night. This is our job to proclaim Christ, not ourselves. We proclaim Jesus as Lord. We're just slaves because our God is the creator. Same God who created light is physical light is creating 
in us, in our hearts, spiritual light. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So what is he saying? That's a, a lot of phrases hooked together. We can work our way backwards. We're seeing Jesus. What are we seeing when we see Jesus' face? We're seeing the glory of God. Now what about Jesus' face and the glory of God are we seeing? We're knowing God. And we know that it's light. It's good. It's what we are made to run on, as most plants are made to run on sun, sunlight. We, as believers, are made to minister in the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We are meant to see Jesus' face, and that fuels our encouraging ministry. See, whenever we don't see Jesus, it's really hard to submit to him because we aren't seeing him. But we as believers can all see him back in verse 18. And if you see him, you're responsible to submit to him. And as you see him and submit to him, God puts you on a ministry trajectory and brings you other people along your path to speak to. They need to see him too. People that are holding signs, pro-abortion signs, you know what they need? They need to see Jesus. That's all they need to see. And as they see him, they need to submit to Jesus as Lord of their lives. And so he is the God of light and life. And they're sinners. They're on their way to hell. Conservative people that are pro-life, that have rejected Jesus as Lord. You know who they need to see? They need to see Jesus too. Conservative people, just because they're conservative, doesn't mean they're Christians. We all need to see the glory of God. And all Christians can see the glory of God and be changed by his glory. And as we're changed, we see him more and more. And then we start speaking for him more and more. And what are we telling him? Jesus is our Lord. I'm just a slave. And you can be his slave too. Come join us to see his glory. It's better than seeing the glory of the Grand Canyon. It's better than seeing the glory of the sun, the glory of the universe, the glory of a baby, the glory of a friend, whoever it is you can think of, put, it is not better than seeing Jesus. And we see him, see his face. It's glorious. I can't see Jesus' face for you. I can show you where to look, but you got to see him. As you see him, you won't be the same. You'll be changed. And as you're changed, you're going to want to submit to him. And you're going to want to speak for him. And this becomes your life mission to not speak for yourself, but just to speak for him. And that's encouraging. I didn't stare at these, so I gave let you have time to write those if you want these notes, so send them to you. Why should we be encouraged from the text of Scripture here? Because we simply proclaim Jesus as Lord, and we are his and his people's slaves. 
it's really hard to be a slave when you won't submit to Jesus as Lord. It's actually impossible. It's impossible to be a slave if you aren't submissive. This is why humility and submission are at the very heart of the gospel and the very way we grow as Christians. Anyone who won't submit to authority, to God, to his word, to his people, isn't, isn't seeing his glory, isn't submitting to their glory. There's something wrong there in the Christian life. And so we simply proclaim Jesus as Lord. No one sneaks into the kingdom of God without saying Jesus is my Lord. He's my master. I'm his slave. I'll do whatever he says. Verse 6a, because we simply proclaim God is creator of physical light and God is the creator of spiritual light. It is no wonder that Satan has attacked every aspect of the gospel. He's also attacked creation. He's got to get people to realize, to, to, to believe lies that there isn't a creator. That there isn't a God who created everything out of nothing. And we go back to Genesis and say, oh no. God created everything in six literal days, exactly how Genesis 1 says. Because we, we trust all of the Bible, we definitely trust that God created light out of darkness. Because the gospel depends on that too. It's simple. These are simple proclamations. This is a simple way to preach, to proclaim to share God's word. This isn't rocket science. This isn't really complicated. And this should be encouraging to you. Say, I can't speak to people. Can you tell people there's a creator God? Yes, you can. Can you tell them that Jesus is Lord and you're his slave? Yes, you can. Can you tell them that they need Jesus as Lord? And, they, and slavery is, is a wonderful thing when you see the face of your master all the time. And it's wonderful to live in the light of his glory and grace. See, we simply proclaim God is creator of physical light and spiritual light. And because the final thing that encourages us, because we simply proclaim that you can know God's glorious light of salvation in the face of Jesus. So what do we tell people? Come to Jesus. He's Lord. I'm just a slave. I'm talking to you because I'm his slave and I'm telling you the message that he wants you to hear. So this is encouraging in, encouragement in ministry. This is not complicated, it's simple. And if you go back to 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 6, and see what Paul says again for yourself, but you'll see that it's pretty simple. So what do we do now? What do we do with this passage of scripture? Be encouraged. If you're discouraged with ministry and you've stopped speaking because you're so discouraged, and I've been there, you probably have been there, it's time to start speaking again, okay? Be encouraged, and the word is simple. Ministry of the word, the gospel is simple, more simple than you might think. But you have to refuse to manipulate or water down God's truth. Don't, if your neighbor hates the fact that Jesus is Lord, eventually they're going to have to accept Jesus as Lord. They won't be saved without that. Okay, so don't change it for a coworker or anybody who doesn't uh, accept Jesus as Lord. So we keep seeing him. We keep submitting to him. 
as a slave to Jesus and a slave to others. I got that from verse 5. And we keep speaking. We don't preach ourselves. We just keep speaking of his glorious salvation. We tell everyone there is compassion. There is mercy. You need it. I need it. We really enjoy it. It encourages us. God's compassion. Enjoy. We enjoy it. And we enjoy it so much that we're willing to do whatever God says. How we need to see ourselves as slaves. How we need to see Christ high, lifted up, exalted. Speak of him as creator. Speak of him as savior. Encourage people. Stop looking at everything the world says is a, is a savior. Start looking at the savior. Jesus Christ. And submit to him as Lord. Father, thank you for the truth of the gospel here that we see today in the ministry that Paul had and the encouragement that he drew from the truth of the gospel. I pray that these same truths would encourage us to keep speaking, keep showing people your glory. If they reject it, uh, that is up to them. But if we don't speak, that's up to us. I pray that you would give us opportunities this week I pray for specific people in our lives that you would help us to pray for them. Help us to look for opportunities. Help us to share what we have seen in your face. And I pray that uh, we would be changed to become very bold for the gospel, very bold in ministry. You'd be glorified with our lives. Encourage us now in Jesus' name. Amen.